commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright side of the galaxy, I'm Grace Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your whole new show of in-depth coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a preview of the High Republic Publishing Initiative. Now for your hosts, Ben Grant and Adam, to travel back 200 years before the Phantom Menace and explore the gilded age of the Republic and the great hyperspace disaster. All right, thanks so much, Grex, yeah. and uh, welcome all to another week of Core World News. Um, this is uh, very exciting. We're now finally turning the page back to 200 years to uh, to get into the High Republic. Um, a bit of housekeeping here right at the front end. Um, we're going to do next week, we're just going to finish up uh, from a certain point of view um, for the... Uh, We've finally given up. We were going to try and piecemeal it forever, but it literally would take forever. So we're going to do the Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. We're going to do it all, and we're going to do it all live. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> it'll be a special there, and we'll get that done, um, which would be fun. It'll be a wild romp through a bunch of mini-adventures through probably what's your favorite Star Wars film. Um, and then the week after that, we're actually going to get into the first releases of The High Republic that we're going to preview here today. And um, also of note, we have not got advanced copies um of the books so we're gonna do some prognosticating here and um you know guess what our new heroes will be doing but we we have no inside information here um you're, it's all you're fair focused. game because we don't yeah. know yeah we, we know nothing indeed so, every everything we say no spoilers unless they're accidental psychic spoilers <laughs> mm -hmm. indeed. we are we're four days away from this the the light of the jedi yeah yeah, the I'm first excited first book. book written by Charles Sewell. It's gonna be an adult novel, Light of the Jedi. Yeah. I uh on my daily walk with my wife, I tried to explain to her why I was so excited for this, and she dutifully listened and said, That's interesting. <laughs> I I don't think there's ever been another novel by Charles Sewell in the Star Wars universe. I mean, we've read countless yeah. uh, comics, but I think this is his first novel which is exciting in and of itself because he's a yeah. fantastic writer. He and I, is an amazing writer. Yeah, yeah. I have adored and everything he's done. So there is an excerpt, and you can read the first eight chapters, and I know uh, the StarWars.com also posted the first chapter at one yeah. point, which I think we all did read, and I think we all did cover. Yeah, we covered it. Uh, yep, we did. 40-odd yeah. episodes back. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't really... I mean, it, it's a fantastic read. You get a sense of the voice and the feel of the book, um, but it doesn't give anything away that's not on the inside flap of the book and that's everywhere on the internet. We know there's a, it starts with a great disaster, right? There's a hyperspace accident. A ship explodes in hyperspace and disperses shrapnel throughout the galaxy at high velocities. And the Jedi are scrambling to sort of figure out why it happened and save people um, from its, its various damage. As an emerging threat, the Nile come about. We know that's going to happen. And that's pretty much all we know. Uh, right. And then we do also know a little bit about the Nile. Like they've been uh, described as like, space Vikings, kind of yeah. barbarians of yeah. sorts. Um, and uh, and that, that just makes me think that this the, the hyperspace disaster is related to some sort of uh, mode of transportation or, or method of hyperspace travel. Uh that the Nile have discovered or use, you know, mm -hmm. that that's kind of something that I think is being alluded towards and having covered Dr. Afro number seven last week, 
Yes. There's a lot, to, you know, there's a lot explored in terms of hyperspace travel yep. and the Nile yep. in, uh, in that issue. And uh, you should go check that out if you haven't read that. Yeah, just a little bit of inside baseball for a second, because this this the the High Republic stuff was supposed to start in October, I believe. Wasn't it the original publication date for this oh, yeah. was October? And then everything got pushed back because, you know, 2020. Um, but the comics didn't get as delayed. So while it's is I wish I could turn this part of my brain off. But when you're reading like the main comic run that's happening, which includes Star Wars, uh, Dr. Afra, um, Darth Vader, bounty hunters, um, they <laughs> will keep mentioning subtle Adam. What yeah, was that sorry. last one, Adam? Yeah, is that, it's called it's bounty hunters. Yeah. Uh, and they uh, but they will keep. They'll, they'll mention the High Republic and the Nile, right? So clearly this is supposed to be all kind of drawn in. So we are getting a lot of clues that I don't think we were supposed to get, if that makes sense. Like this was supposed to come out concurrent, I think, with the novels and the High Republic comic. So it is interesting, Grant. I think I think that that Dr. Afro number seven gave away more than it intended to because it was intended to come out synchronously with some of these books. Right. And I think we should maybe just talk about the scope of this first release mm -hmm. for a second. Um, so uh, on the fifth, we're going to get um, the adult novel Light of the Jedi. Um, we're also going to get um, two young reader. Uh, actually, we're, we're also going to get the the comic um, that's just called The High Republic yeah. on uh, the, the Marvel release. Yeah. And I'm um, sorry, I should have this. I do have this right here. I can jump in if you don't have it but please uh, jump in okay yeah, uh so we're gonna get two other books on january 5th we're gonna get star wars the high republic a test of courage which is an illustrated middle grade novel by justine justina ireland yes. um and then so i think grant you looked it up that's between that's eight to 12 years. Eight to, no oh that's eight to 12 that one that's eight to 12 uh, 12 um and then star wars the high republic the great jedi rescue by kevin scott um Five Five to eight, much younger. Kevin Scott, um, we can talk about these individuals as we go through, but Kevin Scott wrote some of the stories for, or all of the stories, I think, for the um, the Jedi Temple Challenge. Remember that show? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah we, oh, there was right, a yeah. segment where they had to listen to a story. The kids had to listen to a story and then answer questions about the story. I think he wrote all those stories. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he also wrote the the Castle Vader comics and yes, uh, few, uh, many Star Wars adventure comics as yeah, well. Yeah, the IDW Star Wars yeah, adventure. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. And he's also writing novel two in this publishing yeah. series, uh, uh, The Rising Storm. Yeah, and that's coming out in July, and that's part of uh, Phase Two. So it's again. One thing we should mention is they're coming at this. They have the story mapped out. We covered the writers' retreat they did. Yeah. a while ago but clearly they're taking the marvel route where they've mapped out phases of the story we don't know how many phases there are we just know there are at least two but the fact that kevin is that that kevin scott's going from writing the 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 book for the youngest readers to the book to the oldest readers as this is a side note that really demonstrates his abilities as a writer that he can write novels he can write books for five to eight year olds and then he can write books for us yeah it's also very cool. I think they're they're going to shuffle these writers quite a bit through the various age segments. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like we've said this a million times, um, especially uh, Freddie Prince said it most famously, but Star Wars is for kids. So it's kind <laughs> of all for kids. But, um, yeah. you know, they're they are 
fine tuning the segment stuff to really get kids, kids of young different age. different ages. Yeah. 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 To, to enter, enter them in here. Um, so we're going to focus on phase one, um, specifically on this show right here, because there's enough content there to sort of delve into. And this is going to be the beginning of it. Um, there's going to be another wave of phase one that comes out next month. Um, and in that wave, we're going to get uh, Into the Dark uh, by Claudia Gray. Um, and that's going to be a younger reader. They said they call it 12 and up. And she's done books in this segment before, uh, most notably. Um, it's at Leia. Uh, uh, Leia, Leia Princess of Alderaan and Lost Stars is the yeah. one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, but those were it was kind of in that same thing. And if those are young readers, then I'm a young reader. I, well, yeah. she is. I will always. I think we've said this every single time we mention her name, but she is my. I'll say personally, and you guys can not back me up, but she's my favorite writer in Star Wars currently. She wrote The Master and Apprentice. So she also wrote The Adult. adult. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's, yep, that's coming out. And again, like young adult, you can think of that as if you kind of can compartmentalize it it's like later era harry potter right probably like yeah. the second half of harry potter like things like um the uh hunger games probably that level of uh which young adult which is not what i was reading when i was a young adult in the early 90s right and it's just so well written um mm -hmm. that it's it's would, just fantastic yeah. stories I, I, yeah. I didn't get hung up on the fact like it was i felt like i was not being targeted um, it's just fantastic. So, yeah. um, can we just talk about the comics for a sec? Can yeah. You, um, so there's two comics that are going to come out. And again, the way Lucasfilm has, um, segmented these Marvel is going to get sort of, I guess the adult run comics. Yep. And then IDW is the, uh, going to do the younger segment, but the uh, Marvel series is just called The High Republic, and then the IDW but, series is going to be High Republic Adventures. Yeah, and one thing I want to mention is the Marvel series is written by, once again, Kevin Scott. Oh, really? He is, okay. He's doing, like, triple duty on uh, on the High Republic stuff, yeah. Wow. Okay, but cool. Then, uh, but Daniel Jose Alder, yeah. I believe, is doing uh, the IDW series? Yep, that right? that's correct. Perfect. Yeah. Who did, um, was it Longshot? Which one? Last shot. Did? Last shot. I always Last call shot. it long shot every yeah. time. Last shot, which is the um, which is the solo prequel novel. Basically, it came out right before Solo came out. It's such a good book, it right? Really, really good. Yeah, we loved it. We loved it. Uh, I think that great, might have been great, the great villain. Really, really fun story. Uh, I think Lando's. that's the first book we covered as a as a podcast together as the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, very, very cool. Um, do we want to delve into uh, the first book here? I mean, the the real meat of this uh, first we wave, the thing I'm most excited to read is the Claudia Gray. I'm sorry, the um, uh, the Charles Sewell book, um, uh, Light, Light of the Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we I found on the internet, you might have heard of it, uh, Star Wars LibriComics.it um, has an infographic. Uh, yeah. of all of these releases in the first wave um, with characters and um, and their connections to one another and their lightsaber colors. And whether uh, they're Matt, what level of Jedi they are, what yeah. books they're in. Like, I seriously, I have to go, I might hook up my color printer again <laughs> and print this out in, like, 
four sheets and just hang it up in my home office. I have nothing in yeah. my home office, but I may just have this in my home office. Yeah, it would make a great background too. It's a massive yeah. file. Um, so just so we get that. So it's Star Wars L I B R I comics.it is the URL to go see this um this infographic. Uh, so I would say check it out because it's really it's a good way to sort of get your head around um, the main characters uh, in this new whole world of Star Wars era of Star yep. Wars. Um, yeah. So Light of the it Jedi. Does, it does look like there is a, a few characters missing from this. Though, I will I'm say. sure. Mm. Yeah. There's Just a bunch I'm... named that don't have art, but they have art for most of the people in this, which I adore. Um, I think that's very. Oh no, no! Actually, they didn't miss. Uh, I thought I was looking for Jora Jora Molly because I read the first chapter of Into the Dark. You can actually read that online somewhere. There's excerpts of that oh, first cool. chapter of that book. And uh, nope, it looks like that character's there. So every character I've seen in the book so far is here. So pretty hey, accurate. Is there? I only see. Oh, I see. He's on the council. Yeah, uh, there he is. Yeah, he's it's on the council. A, oh, it's actually a woman, uh, Tegruda. Okay. Um, Oh, really? Oh, nice. All right. Oh, cool. They don't have the art for her here, which is a bummer. But, um, oh, but it just says it's named as a Tegruda. Um, cool. And they even have, like, the ranks within. So she's a council master. And then, oh, it looks like, I guess Yoda and Vitar are grand masters. So uh, 200 years before Phantom Menace, Yoda is already a grand master. So he's been putting in work on the council. So he's a fully formed man yoda beings and i don't know if this is technically spoilers though because i i i have read the first eight chapters of light of the jedi and i i still have not been introduced to the jedi council in any way like they they have not been mentioned yet and uh the 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 character you're introduced to right off the bat is avar chris she seems to be uh this new jedi master uh, kind of main character or kind of character at the forefront of the storyline for this this series and or at least this first book here and um and she is such a cool character i think she sees the force as if it's music uh sees it almost as if it's a song and each each person is emitting their own you know sound in the the cacophony or the orchestra it's, it's really really cool to her, her her scenes in the book uh so far and uh Reminds me of a lot of the battle meditation going back to, you know, the Zahn books and, you know, the video games and, and things yep. like that. Um, uh, she's she's a pretty cool character in that regard. Yeah, looking forward to seeing her. We also get Loden Greatstorm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, big fan. Twilight. Big yeah. fan of Loden Greatstorm. That's a, that's a great name. Another master um, and his apprentice is Bell Zetafar. Mm-hmm. Um, and she looks like African-American female. Um, yeah, it should be cool. We got an Ethorian uh, knight in this series. Yeah. Mikkel Sutmani. Um, I, I I love Ethorians. I love yeah. the, it's really the voice um, sound design they use for Ethorians. Just gives yeah. me a warm fuzzy in my heart. Um, that'll be great. Uh, Porter Engel. This might be the first I've heard about Porter. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Um, I have not read up about this character yet, so I don't I don't know if this Yeah. Blue lightsaber, or... he's also a Jedi master. I think he's male. It's kind of tough to see. Looks like um he's got sort of white whitish skin, so I don't know, maybe pseudo humanoid. Um Buriaga Agaburi, which is uh, a distant cousin of mine. Um <laughs> 
is uh not kidding by the way <laughs> yeah yeah it looks like a padawan uh, uh wookie mm-hmm. uh which is cool i'm um, all in i will yeah. take a a wookie jedi that was one of my other characters in star wars uh galaxies video game Yep, we have us. I will say that this character does appear early on in this in the Light of the Jedi book, so I was very happy to see the, the inclusion <laughs> of a Wookiee Jedi so early in the pages of this book. Like I was, I was excited that it was right off the bat we're getting this character. Well, his name is almost a um, anagram, not an anagram. Um, what am I trying to say? Palindrome. Oh, it really is. Burry Aga Aga Burry. Yeah, Burry Aga Aga Burry. Oh, that's actually I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah. Yep. Stellan Geos looks. Uh, gosh, he looks I, like an actor. I mean, white Caucasian guy. I'm trying to play it, that actor right now, but I can't. And so, uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game who, of Thrones. The, the yeah. one who replaced <laughs> what's his name later in the series. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Also the in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Him. Also in Treme, which is I'm I'm, I'm like naming things that are not helping people. Um, right. But. So yeah. in this infographic, they have a lot of lines drawn between characters, which indicates a couple of things, whether there's an apprenticeship or Dario. Or a past. Dario, Dario, Dario. There you go. Love interest of da, um, Daenerys. Um, oh, well, since you yeah. said love interest, let's talk about the fact that they also have connections <laughs> between characters that are personal relationships. And there's a personal relationship between Avar Chris and Stella, Stella and Geos. And I, you know, Grant, you've talked about your thoughts about what, what would be going on with these two, but I don't, I think there's something going on between these. Well, two. there's also connection there to Elzar man. I mm-hmm. think personal connection guys, is pretty broad. You guys term. are going to love Elzar man. You guys really? are going to love this character. He, he's like, he's been described as kind of a uh, experimental with the force and he will not use the force in the same way. Uh, twice he always wants to use the force differently <laughs> and it's kind of right. like two two face or the joker like he leaves it up to chance for things like to just uh, you know to go and the ebb and the flow of the force and just trust yeah. it and use the force differently each time yeah very Ooh, right. cool character That's super very cool. cool character i so ben i will say that i agree like it is it is vague right personal relationship could just mean friends right we don't need to know i mean for one of the elements of star wars uh, has been um, love triangles, very oh, yeah. loosely defined. It's interesting in this book we have a connection between Avar Chris, Elzar Man, and Stellan Geos. So right. I'm wondering if they're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I I thought that too. I was like, hmm. But then there's like four personal relationships with Reith Silas. Yeah, Reith the, Silas, the, the most popular man in the universe. <laughs> right. So and also, I mean, if this is Yoda's counsel, then we know uh, personal attachment strictly forbidden. So yeah. I, I would probably not, you know, put too much weight in the fact that there's we could... I guess, a sexy love triangle in the. You know, <laughs> out on I, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more it's more that they're tested by the dark side and that's the conflict. Like, I don't know if there's mm-hmm. like a love triangle or relationships crumbling because Avar Chris, I think she is a leader at the end of the day and she sort of sees everyone as an, an instrument in this in this orchestra. Right. Like she I don't okay. yeah. think she is trying to, uh, you know, I think she is a Jedi through and through. And uh, I think uh, I don't know if we're going to get any doomed love in this in these books but if we do i i 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's at the, yeah. the highest, highest yeah. you know, rankings. Of the I'm Jedi. definitely getting some Obi-Wan Kenobi energy off of Avar Chris for sure. Um, yeah. She's wearing yeah, a lot yeah. of white. She's got a lot of the white knight sort of um, wearing the hood up. Yeah. Um, so that's there. We also get Indira Stokes and I don't know the name of that species. It's sort of like they've got, she's got like tentacles coming off her head, but not in a Togruta way and not in an like, it's like the Adia Gallia, uh, character from the prequels. I forget. Okay. The species name. Yeah, that sounds about right. I used to play Jedi power battles on the original PlayStation or whatever it was. Had a boy. Um, the is it the is it uh, the Tholothian? Tholothian. That's right. It's a Tholothian. It's a Tholothian. This okay. is the first time I'll say this sentence in my life. Thank you, Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> and the last. Um, cool. Yep. So we've got those are all the ones we've got images for, and then. Um, Nib Asik, uh, we haven't seen yet, but that is Buriaga Agaburi's uh, master. Uh, I love it. Yeah, Teami, <laughs> just a random knight. And then Zaviel Tep, Leo, Jossie, Rob, Oroki, Romar, Montgo, and Arkov uh, that I guess will play some right. So I know we're covering this book uh, two weeks from while we're taping right now. This book's going to take me forever to read. Because these names are going to slow me down. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of funny. I, I just picked up um, uh, Wheel of Time again. I'm This is my New Year's resolution. I'm going to read more uh, other than just Star Wars books. Um, and uh, I'm, I've got to finish uh, Wheel of Time. Uh, so I'm doing it. But I also think it's kind of aptly timed because I, I, I really think that Star Wars is dipping its toe in the fantasy realm. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, if you haven't read Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, you should. It's it's a cornerstone. It, it's a landmark opus of yeah. fantasy um, that's up there with Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. It's it's widely considered one of the best. So, so um, it, it's just humongous. Um, but uh, yeah, ben, so I'm, I'm sort of I, looking for some parallels yeah. between this and that. And usually in fantasy, there's some sort of dark mutated threat right this like sort of malaise and darkness that's instantiated with ugly creatures and um some sort of impending doom of chaos and and disharmony that's threatening everyone and um so i wonder if that that is the nile if they're more viking like i think that makes it better and they're sort of it'll give them some more dynamism than just like orcs you know or wraiths or that sort right. of um but uh we'll, we'll see that's i mean that's let's face it this whole series and era is hanging in the balance on how well they make the dark side a threat or the yeah, you know, see, that's, yeah. Threat. yeah and when it comes to star wars i've you know we've talked about this you know time and time again about uh, you know there's there's it there's sometimes a villain problem or it doesn't feel like there's a threat or there's any yeah. sense of dread in the story Whereas you could look at the foundation of Star Wars in that first that first trilogy, there's a lot of dread in the, a lot of you know Vader is an intimidating character, and you really do feel like uh, you're you're backed in a corner, and you know he is going to take your life, or you know you do feel like that doom, that sense of doom, and I think I think 
for this to be successful, I think we need to feel those stakes early on. Like in this books, I think, I, I think yeah. we need to know the Nile are threatening. And I think we need to know that they're dangerous and that they strike fear in the Jedi. I mean, we've heard this time and time again that the threat of these books will strike fear in the hearts of the Jedi. And that's like, I'm dying to know what that is. I think that's why we're all on the edge of our seats waiting to read these books because we want to know what it, yeah. what it is that the Jedi would be afraid of. Like what could actually, you know. Yeah, at the height of their power, what are they afraid of? Yeah, I think that's really important too, Grant. I mean, so I, part of me is I'm cheating because I'm looking over at my bookcase next to me, but I have like the entire Walking Dead comic book series. And what popped in my head is Robert Kirkman, for all of his advantages and flaws, is really good at revealing a new big bad and giving you within five minutes of reading, yeah, yeah. oh, this person's a big threat, right? Like, and, and really grandiose ways that they translated somewhat into the TV show. And I'm kind of looking for that Robert Kirkman like introduction of this character is a like exactly like like I used to like when I was a kid, Vader was in my nightmares. Like literally I had <laughs> dreams where I was being chased down a hallway by Vader. Um, and like we need something like that. And yeah. I think because the High Republic series is given so much free reign, I'm hoping that they're able to do that, that they don't have to worry about it. I just I don't know about the dark side stuff other than one thing we haven't mentioned is um the acolyte series um although they did do some interviewing with um i'm i'm pausing here because i'm blanking on the creator's <laughs> name i oh, thought it would come to me in the middle of sentence yeah leslie headland leslie headland thank you i had the i had it reversed i thought i knew it was l and h but i thought it was h and l so leslie headland did some interviewing saying like they're kind of doing the thing with the higher public and i'm doing my thing so they did kind of separate them out, but okay. it is at the tail end of the High Republic. Mm. And if we know anything about Star Wars, no one does their thing over here, here and our thing over here, right? right? Everything's tied in. So I think once they know what she's going to do, we're going to start seeing hints of that. And the Acolyte is about dark side characters, right? So I think the dark side stuff, I'm guessing, is not phase one. Maybe we see start seeing inklings in phase two or phase three, but I'm guessing they're going to do the long the long game with the dark side stuff. It's going to be like boiling under the surface of what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that you... makes sense. But uh, to do anything like a, to do a slow build with the Nile. Yeah. M might not be the most effective approach, mainly because you don't have conflict anywhere else really in the galaxy. The major conflict is the Nile. It's not yeah. like game of Thrones where you have the white walkers and it's a slow build and you have all the infighting, the rivalries between the seven kingdoms. It's right. like, you don't have that other set of conflicts. Going on. Well, I think Nile, we'll get the Nile bigger. real quick. I just think there might be some under the surface. I don't know who are pulling the Nile strings. I think what's going to be revealed in phase three or four or whatever the last phase is that really that the rule of two, whoever was the master at the time, was actually pulling the strings of the Nile. Well, we do know early uh, from another article from StarWars.com is that uh, Martian Rowe Martian Ro is the leader of the Nile. We actually got a little oh, bio right, yeah. on that right, character. Right, right. Highly mysterious character that knows about, I guess, secret travel routes or something. We really don't know a lot about that character. It's easy shrouded in mystery. But um, he looks almost droid-like. Like his his helmet yeah. is kind of glowing in a way that you don't see most helmets. You know, have like lights. He, actually, he reminds me of the big bad from uh, Fury Road. Oh, right. Looked oh, like Immortal Joe? <laughs> 
Immortal yeah. Joe. Wait, so what's his name? Uh, I love that movie. So, like, there might be some parallel there. I don't know. I, you know, what's interesting is I wonder if because when I saw this, I'm like, are the are the Nile just going to be the Yuzon Vong of the new canon? That worry, right? Are they just going to figure this out? And I wonder if they're like, oh, that was interesting. Let's do the polar opposite because Yuzon Vong hate technology, right? Like they go in, they kill all the droids, destroy all the droids, everything they use are bioweapons. They hate technology. I don't wonder if they're going to go the other way with the, the Nile. Like the Nile are more like we create ourselves. We like we just infuse ourselves with technology to the point of becoming oh, like yeah. cyborgs. That's interesting. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know the Yuzhang Vong are, that's expanded. I'm universe. happy for you. Yeah. Do you want to give them a little primer, um, Adam? I am in the middle of reading <laughs> the entire Yuzan Vong like 17 book series. Um, they're an extra galactic threat yeah. um, who are uh, basically um, very much uh, they do not they hate anything technologically. So they're coming in. They're trying to reform the entire galaxy. This all takes place. I think like maybe like 16 years, 20 years after the end of um, Return of the Jedi. Um, but basically they're coming in, taking over the land. Uh, the New Republic has to fight them off. There's a lot of politics with the Jedi not being trusted and also the remnants of the of the Empire. But basically Yuzan Vong are this major threat. Because uh, the force doesn't affect them, right? Uh, they do not show up in the force. It doesn't affect right. them, and they're not visible through the force. Because they're extra galactic, so the force right. is localized For... to this galaxy. Apparently, yeah, that's the thing. So uh, there's a lot of good in those books, and then it kind of just drags on. Um, I also wonder if they're going to deal with this in the Thrawn novels we've been dealing with, because there's a lot with the Chiss and the Yuzan Vong in the, in the old EU. That's interesting. Yeah, and we've seen started seeing the Chiss books, and actually... Now that you're talking about that time period, I'm wondering if we're going to get a more Chiss stuff in that, because that's the period just as sort of the, that the First Order is galvanizing, but they're not out and about yet. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of dead space there. And this is, this could be where uh, some of the, like the Ahsoka series is very yeah. off towards and probably have another like. You know, could could be another spin. I think we're either going to get the Chiss to the Yuzan Vong or the Heir to the Empire books in in the in that. But let's 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 uh, I know like let's speculate. Yeah. Let's speculate about these shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I one thing I've been wanting to say here is that I, I think for any effective threat, there needs to be layers of antagonists. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Game of Thrones or whatever, but there should be like political threats and then there should be, you know, the, this existential threat or whatever that is the you know the nile the actual like war there we also know there's another antagonist group and can you guys help me out on this i'm sorry i didn't do the research the it's the uh organic threat it's like this the drenger the drenger, the drenger. Like a giant right. like creature yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so it's yeah. these are like yeah it's it's like the the these are plant creatures that are trying to like essentially reclaim plant life it's like it's like the environment strikes back sort of um, antagonist, but like, so that adds a new twist. And then I think you add, you know, there's going to be some Sith undercurrents in this. There, yeah, there's point. kind of like a nature unbound theme going on too. Yeah. Like, where there's sure. these kind of plant like creatures are just taking over, right? Terraforming 
worlds. I think that was mentioned or something like that. Yeah. Here's the uh, description of the Drenger and Wikipedia. Sentient amorphous canor- <laughs> uh What is it? Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, sentient amorphous plant life who threatened to reap harvest or yeah to reap harvest across the galactic frontier in the aftermath of the great disaster during the high republic era so it looks like this is a group that took or or whatever took advantage of whatever the great disaster is i think there's a, like a cruelty of nature theme going on in these in these books where it's like the nile and the Gret drenger it's like kind of the the chaos and unleashed you know nature unleashed qualities of the yeah. universe um, but I, I have my own theory about the Nile. I think that they've been described as Vikings. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they are possibly using an unstable kind of form of hyperspace travel that allows them to appear anywhere in, in space uh, in the galaxy. And but it also just wrecks havoc on that area basically like destroys all the, all the yeah it's mm. super unstable like everything but then maybe they thrive in that chaos maybe I, I haven't gotten there yet in the book i've only read those first eight chapters so i have no idea what the the disaster is it's, it's still very mysterious but i wouldn't be surprised if among all the chaos and destruction they that's where they thrive is is throwing on those metal helmets and they're they're kind of what looks like space suits and in kind of just clamping down on hulls of ships and, and pillaging and stealing and you know, whatever. What's yeah. interesting is what you're describing sounds a lot like the Reavers yeah, yeah. In, uh, <laughs> in Firefly, which I, I think is interesting, right? Like they're the more whole... like zombies. Well, they are. But like part of what, what they do is like they use like super radioactive propulsion mm. to get like to to overtake places. But they are very much Viking like. Um, that they just take over, they use this, they don't care about the radiation. Um, but your description, Grant, is a more nuanced version of that because we yeah. see them a lot in Firefly and, and the movie. So I like this idea of like looking at that but going a little deeper with these characters. Could be a yes. cool visual. Sorry, Grant. What were you no, saying? no, I was just saying it could, could be cool visually if they're, you know, planets are blowing up, the Jedi are panicking and trying to respond. But like, amidst all this wreckage and chaos you just see in the distance it's that Zack snyder like punch zoom to superman like somewhere in all that all those explosions there are just guys you know pillaging ships and you're like yeah. who are those people those are the nile you know what i mean like yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if that scene occurs in the book absolutely yeah um so yeah so the baddies are going to be a big deal here and i'm looking forward to that and i think it will end up being a more nuanced version there too wise to just do a, a blatant ripoff of the Reavers. Um, so we'll get some of that. Um, some other cool stuff here. I think we talked about it before. There's going to be new ship designs, um, which is fun. Um, I'm looking at a picture of the Jedi Vector right now. We might have talked about this in an earlier episode, but um, oh no, we, we did. didn't get we didn't get we into didn't. the vectors no. and the, the long no, beams yet. No, we yet. traded we traded on our text chain, but we never actually covered it on the show. Okay, okay, so. I've got some pictures here. They released some of this. And like, you know, another form of threat I was thinking about, what is the real, like, where does that threat come from in A New Hope? And like, obviously, it's not just Darth Vader and the Stormtroopers, which are obviously a force, but like they're threatening in their architecture. Like once you're like up against, you know, the Death Star and you're in the Death Star, you you sense the power that this, you know, this group has. 
Um, and, and I mean, the first shot under a Star Destroyer, you feel the threat of like watching that Star Destroyer fly over you. So um, I think that's going to be a big, hopefully a big part of the threat as well. Um, and um, so and, and the coolness on, on the Jedi side, uh, I adore this design they've done for the Jedi Vector Starfighter. Yeah. So these would like take the place of like the Actus class single pilot um, flyers. It looks kind of like a mosquito. Um, a lot of long, thin wings and a couple sort of like, um, what are those things called? Uh, not javelins. Uh, if you're on a horse and you're jousting, like jousting s- s- poles, <laughs> like on the front sure. almost. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'll, uh, I'll send this link to you guys so you can see what I'm looking at here. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic fun design and it's got the, they, they still have the same Republic insignia that um they have in um in our you know in the prequels so um that's gonna be fun to see this architecture and design um and um what and, else and we got? They did, um sewell's description of the sort of like the the in-flight action and and flying around in those vectors is incredible like oh. i'm already blown away by just the descriptions of jedi flying yeah. those are specifically jedi basically star single single pilot starfighters right like they're just but they're just from this this era uh, yeah 200 years ago right and they uh they look amazing um they also have a uh design and i just love that they did all this com- concept art i wish they did credits on who did this i imagine doug chang did a lot of it but um that's just a guess and his team i mean he's yeah the concept so, yeah. so it, it looks like his art um but they have a thing called the nile tempest runner and it looks like it looks like a Carillion Corvette that's sort of been redesigned by Dodge. It's sort of like sort of beefed up, hyper masculine with like a lot of it's got a lot of windows on it for a start. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of guns. And it's again, it's very insectoid in ways. It looks like it's got mandibles underneath. Who even knows what that does? Um but yeah, that's very cool. We've got some uh, the Nile Storm ship, which is like a ground speeder, um, just a series of wings. It's very postmodern sort of stuff going on there. The one thing, so they they reused a design from the concept art from um, uh, Last, I think Last Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, yeah, the Republic Long Beam. Yeah, yeah, the Long Beam. That could be my favorite design, honestly. Well, it's so funny that they used it, that it was supposed to be for The Last Jedi, right? But when you look at it, it does look like a precursor to what we saw in the prequels, right? Yeah. Like, I could totally see how that came before the, totally. the ships we saw in the prequels. Yeah, so it's like a, it's a thinner, it's, you know, like a thinner version of a Star Destroyer, but about the same length um, and with, you know, big cannons on all over it, um, which is great. And then there's also a thing called the Legacy Run, which is was a concept art for um, Han Solo's freighter, um, that like Manta freighter or whatever he had, um, which is awesome and very cool. And it just looks like it's a, it's a immovable uh, starship hangar that can fly around on its own. Um, and then of course, then we, we finally get to what's going to be, I think a very large part of these, all these least phase one stories, but probably most of it. And um, that is Starlight Beacon. And um, this is a way station. It's a 
it's a space station they've created very much in the design of like the Jedi temple. It has a, um, it's circular. It's got its sort of guts on the bottom, hanging off the bottom where it's like, that's the plumbing or whatever. And on the top, it's all white and pristine and looks like Coruscant. It looks very much like the Jedi, the central spire, the Jedi temple. And this is a nav beacon, um, that, that is floating around out there. And um, it's called Starlight Beacon. This is a little blurb that I found. Um, it says, Starlight Beacon, also known as the Starlight Station, was a space station constructed during the High Republic era built in the Outer Rim territories. Situated in the center of the region's unexplored dark zones, the station's large size caused its construction to cost a great effort and expense. As the region was difficult to navigate at the time, the station launched in 232 before the Battle of Yavin acted as a beacon, sending out a signal that guided travelers. Many years later, and three after the Battle of Yavin, Commander Grek of the Rebel mm. Alliance used the station as inspiration. Shout out. And Starlight, yeah. Um, definitely a cousin of Grek's, I'm pretty sure. Uh, a yeah. plan to reassemble the Alliance fleet, blah, blah, blah. Which is, that's, uh, we're reading that in the comics. This I was going to say, that's the current run of the, of the yeah. Star Wars comics, Operation Starlight, yeah. Yeah, so Starlight's going to be in there. And then in the Afro one, we know there's a thing called the Path Engine that's used by the Nile, and we think this might be part of their nefarious plans. Yeah. Um, but the design is beautiful, and they've got to keep this concept art flowing. I mean, everyone loves conjuring images in their mind, but Star Wars is so visual visual um, that it really helps to sort of, I don't know, it, it delights me to sort of get this sort of bedrock um, yeah. architecture and design in my head to start I, i'm sure we're gonna get uh, the art of the high republic book later this yes year. yes yeah. that would be great that would be sort of essential purchase for for this stuff yeah yeah, yeah. but when i do visualize this disaster i do relate it to uh i do see it like the holdo maneuver in uh the last jedi i see it like uh when holdo you know goes light speed straight into the um, supremacy. I feel like that is like when it's described that the legacy run is just shredded apart in hyperspace and pieces of that ship are just flying around towards the Hextel system and, and basically like, you know, causing this, this, this galaxy wide catastrophe. It makes me think that like those pieces moving at light speed, whatever they hit is going to crack like an egg, basically like yeah. it's going to just shatter. And so, that's kind of how I'm visualizing it. But I, I agree with you, Ben. I think that including some sort of art that at least shows us what that looks like, much like, you know, Starkiller firing or the Holdo maneuver or, you know, many things that we see that are kind of these big climactic scenes in Star Wars storytelling. Yeah. I think it's helpful to have a, like a visual of it, at least Which the technology. I think we're going to get right because we have two concurrent comic books happening, right? Yeah. Which are taking place during a scene. So we're going to have, I think we're going to get flashes to, these scenes that we see in the books like so we're gonna see what that looks like i'm i'm guessing in gavin scott's the high republic comic yeah why don't we go to that real quick right now actually um just we have in the infographic here five characters from there uh Surette, finally we have a bald character uh, making appearance um it's about time they have protagonist bald <laughs> post hair gentleman uh involved <laughs> Grant's doing his happy dance there. I feel that energy. Um, we got mace. We'll, all have, we'll always have mace. We'll That's true. Mace. We always have mace. Um, and then uh, Istala Maru, which actually looks vaguely Deveronian. It actually looks like a species I've never seen before. 
Hmm. Um, Keeve Trennis, who is an apprentice to Skier. Keeve Trennis is an African-American female. And Skier, we talked about her earlier, is a um, uh, Trandoshan Jedi master, which is just I, each <laughs> word is cooler than the yeah. last in that sentence. <laughs> um and uh and here then here for it here for that and then Tarek. so it looks like Tarek and Serret are both post hair uh humanoids and i think they're twins if memory serves i mean they have their names are literally their names backwards right so <laughs> oh, um yeah. that is a palindrome okay yeah so to to go back to stala maru uh i did some really quick googling uh that character is a waiting for wikipedia it's not crashed my computer uh is uh a um kasarian kasarian um we've seen a kasarian in one movie any guesses about what movie we saw a kasarian in uh, uh attack of the clones in the bar nope rogue one that nope. was my guess all right i'll just Return this is of the jedi show. It's going to be real boring because you're just going to start naming Star Wars movies. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Huh. Yeah. Uh, really? Okay. Uh, apparently a dance troupe in the Aki Aki Festival. Oh, really? There was a bunch of Kisarians on the Aki Aki. I missed them completely. <laughs> and, I, you know, I just watched that recently and I was sort of looking for other species there other than the Aki Aki and I couldn't find There is a lot going on in that movie. It's easy to miss things in the background. Yes, and it's coming at you quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, so cool. So yeah, again, I, that's going to be a great way to sort of see some of the things that are going on, and hopefully yeah. it parallels uh, what's going on in the novels. And I I checked out for a second because I was googling. Uh, but we did talk about a skier, right? We talked about the fact that we have a Trandoshan Jedi Master. Indeed, yes. Okay, yes. that Glad was highlighted was my... and I double will... underlined. All right. Yeah. Well done. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. I think he's missing a limb, too, right? I think so. I yeah. Think I saw that. I think an arm, right? Yeah. yeah I saw yeah. Like, some comic art where there's one arm. And there's nothing cooler than a one arm. Well, it's not a Star yeah. Wars without a dismemberment. Right. Yeah. yeah. True, true. Yeah, you got to uh, check out Path of the Jedi if you haven't. They, they like, talk about, like, that's one of the methods. It's just, you know, it's like they're not there to kill. That's the last thing. But, like, if you've got to... If you got someone coming at you, you got to take a limb. And that's like sure. how that's how you subdue your yeah. right. You literally have to disarm them. Yeah, literally, which is relatively easy with a lightsaber. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we've also got we know that we're going to eventually see the Jedi Council. Um, yeah. In this era, that's kind of exciting news. Uh, yeah. Anyone here that uh, peaks either of your interests, gentlemen? <laughs> I I just love the fact that I think two episodes in a row I get to talk about Yarl Poof. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know that was going to happen. Um, could have planned it better. But Yarl Poof is not only on the Jedi Council, <laughs> it is they are like the head of the Jedi Council, right? My 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 computer froze, but they're the they're one of the council masters. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's council we're seeing here. There's council masters and there's council grand masters. And Which everyone else is a great. No, not everyone else. There's a yeah. Few so the, are, there's only two grand masters uh, on the council. Oh, and no, one no. of them. There are. No, there are only there are three. Sorry, go ahead, Ben. <laughs> well, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it's 
the, the way I'm looking at it is it looks as though I, I see two grandmasters and everyone else has the double single line, the z- double line there. Oh, three. Right. Yeah, you're right. There's three. Sorry. So, so sorry. There's a third, there's a third, uh, grandmaster there. Yeah. There are three grandmasters oh. right there. Yeah. Yoda, Ventar and Laru. Well, I guess just to let everyone know. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. Yoda is there. Oh, sorry. So he's a grand, he's a grandmaster at this point. I guess we mentioned that earlier. Um, I'm mostly here for Vitar. Uh, yeah, I want to know more yeah, about that character. Me too. So that could be one of those creatures with the four arms, but Googling. he has a beard. What's that? I said Googling. Continue talking. So the, the guy that, that's in the, um, he's the cook that Obi-Wan Kenobi meets. What is that species called? There's uh, also a, a bad master that sort of, um, that that goes yeah with Dex is, Hertz and um, the Clone Wars yeah they do not have a species for Vitar anywhere yet okay but I will get you the name of the other one momentarily if my computer would stop being dumb stop being dumb computer uh, aside from the council uh, Oh, Bessalus. Bessalus. Yes. Yeah. Possibly Bessalus with a beard. Right. Love that's, it. Uh, that's my guess. Anyways, uh, gripping uh, audio here. Um, we're looking at a visual that our listeners can't see. But uh, so there will be a Jedi Council. There's um, we know we're seeing a visual of Oppo Rancis. Yep. Does that oh, look yeah. like a Munalist to you or? I've seen that that species. No, Apo Rancis is like a bearded kind of serpentine like. Uh, yeah, he's a snake man. He's oh, snake he's a snake man. man. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's. I love Rancis. Like, let's, he's like a what? Like, he's a snake man. Let's just. Call oh, he's a, a snake. <laughs> he's the guy that coils up on yeah. his cushion. Yeah. yeah. So Apo Rancis and Yarl Poof are both on the council in the and Yoda, and Yoda obviously are. Sorry. Um, in when we see them in the in uh, the prequels, yeah, they're all apparently longer lived species than humans. Wow, and I love their like, no, we need to have Yarl. What happened to Yarl? He died between episode one and two in canon. I don't know how, but my theory is he got his head cut off and his head (laughs) floated up to the sky like a balloon, like a balloon. That's the short film I want to watch. <laughs> also, that's a callback to my Star Wars Minute appearance. Which, hey, I got that mentioned twice. Anyway, moving on. Um, but apparently, Apparantis survived the Great Jedi Purge. Do we remember that? Really? That's what he says. How do So we haven't seen him in anything, though. No. He saved Grogu. <laughs> he could could be Apparantis. He just coiled him in his snake tail and just yeah. slithered on out. That seems easy enough to do. He could probably put him in one of his pockets. He's still wearing a robe despite the fact he's a snake with arms. Um, yeah, that would be cool. I'm I'm here for Apparantis. Yeah. Apparently, it's just that he was on a list compiled by the inquisitors so i think that's why we know he survived but we don't know anything more about his survival all right 
And did we talk stuff. about Reef Silas? No. Yeah. I don't think so. No, we haven't talked about Into the Dark much yet. So this is the February release and the Claudia Gray release. Um, it's Into the Dark, though. So are we going to see uh, the fall of a Jedi here? Maybe, well, right? Is, I, I did I did read the first chapter of this, and it, it, Into the Dark, I think, is it's uh, multi-textual. It's like it, it's, they're going to the far reaches of the galaxy. They're going into the dark, essentially, to the unexplored oh, right. regions. So it, 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 obviously confronting Nile and the threats and of the the great the great uh, disaster, right? All that stuff. So into the dark, multi. There's a lot of meanings. To I was gonna it. say, yeah, it's gonna have a lot of different, you know, meanings. I and so he looks like a fascinating character. I remember I did read a blurb about him. He's a nerd. Um, it looks like his master is on the Jedi Council. Is a is yeah, a council Jora, Jora Mali. Mali. Jora yeah. Mali. Um, we don't have yeah. image for Jora she, yet. She's a, to Gruda, oh, I think, uh, female. That's right. Yeah. Really so cool. um, that so he's obviously like I'm getting you know Dooku energy off of him. Like he's probably an all star if a if a council member is taking him as a Padawan. Um, and he just wanted to chill in the library and do. Yeah, research. he's he's not looking for high adventure at all. And yeah. the the master's kind of like we we're going to go out to the outer reaches and we're going to yeah you know. I, I'm very much looking forward to this because I may identify with this character. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll read a book. Tell me how character. they tell, you know, have fun storming the castle. I'll read a book. <laughs> right. And this is so there's the refusal of the call right there, yeah. um, which is already pretty fascinating. I just watched a series called uh, Endeavor. Uh, it's like a BBC uh, masterpiece theater um, British show um, that's like a remake prequel of a thing that happened a long time ago but it's a very smart British crime thing that I would recommend to everyone um, so he could be like a super smart nerd that sort of gets this responsibility thrust upon him and um, I don't know hopefully he thrives and you know it, it, it will be fun looking over his, uh, his shoulder for his adventures and uh, again Claudia Gray so it's going to be great Oh, um, now my wife and I are going to watch this movie, this show. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, put it on the list. <laughs> it's British, so you love it. It's a, it's a fascinating. We actually watched the original a couple episodes just to sort of see it. But it's Endeavor as an older man, and it's it's a really convoluted, crazy show for like the that came out in like the late seventies or the eighties. Yeah, but the it, it's not as fun as the as this reboot that happened recently. Um, so we know Wreath has got personal collection connections to a lot of people. There's a character called Kim, K-Y-M, all caps, know the name. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Um, R.I.P. Doom. And I, I put yeah. this. Yeah. I, if you're ever a music fan or a hip hop fan, um, he goes by the, he has the tag. I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. And yep. That's, yeah. That's who he is. He passed away. Accurate. On, yeah. He passed away on Halloween. And this is he always wore a mask, which is very fitting. He died the year that everyone had to wear a mask, which is very fitting. Um, he adored comic books. Yeah. Um, and pattern his he's a true artist. And there's a great video out there of um, of most deaf uh, just geeking out over Doom's lyrics. And I suggest you watch it and, and honor the man's legacy and uh, listen to all his records because they're fantastic. Yeah. But we just found out about it, right? Like, it yeah, it just. His family just released just announced, the information yeah. on the first, on the first. And, thing. you know, good riddance 2020. Yeah, right. 
um, that that one hurt. I'm not really down for a lot of, you know, celebrity deaths. It doesn't usually affect me, but I I adore Doom and but he was like relatively young too. Anyway, we're 49, topic, but he was 49, 49. Yeah. yeah, and there's they they kept it very private. Obviously, people knew about it, and no one said anything out of respect to his family. Sorry to go there, but like Doom yeah. is Doom's kind of amazing. Yeah, um, and uh, a true artist. So um, yes. Yeah. So anyways, Kim, all caps like Doom, K Y M. Um, is a friend, um, Wreath Silas, uh, there's Des Ryden also in Into the Dark, but then it expands. Des Ryden is the, uh, the previous Padawan, uh, of Jorah Oh, Mali. Jorah Malley. And so, mm. so he, Wreath Silas kind of measures himself against Des because Des was outgoing and looking for adventure right. and would kind of rise to the challenge of anything that was laid before him. Whereas he's the inverse, right? He's the opposite. Yeah. So we have like introvert, extrovert energy there. Right, exactly. So this, I think this character really illustrates the fact that they're building a shared world, right? Because he has a personal relationship with a person from Into the Dark. He has a personal relationship with uh, Ver Nestar Rolf, Rolf from A Test of Courage, right. which is the other one. He has a personal relationship with... Um, Bell Zedifar, who we talked about from Lay of the Jedi, where he basically has a personal relationship yeah. with a person in almost every series, which I respect, right? Like they're clearly going yeah. to be. And when I'm Wikipediaing things, these th there's a lot of like, oh, this character appears in this, but is mentioned in all the other books and comics and things like this. So it's gonna be a really big shared world and super rewarding to reading these multiple things, I think. Yeah, we're probably gonna get some like presaging about Wreath Silas in the Light of the Jedi and the yeah. Republic. I mean, Skier has a relationship with uh, Jorah O'Malley. Right, his well. master. Yep. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, if we hear about Wreath uh, prior to his release. I mean, there's got to be some reason why they're delaying that um, that book other than the obvious, that they just don't want to release two popular novels in the same. yeah. Um, I can't wait for these books, man. These are I know. I am. I'm actually very excited for a test of courage, uh, as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick that up. Um, for Nestor Rowe, yeah, that one's going to be. So that's going to come out next week as well. So this is the plan, y'all. Um, I'm imagining most of the people listening are adults. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're younger and welcome. That's awesome. Um, but uh. We imagine you're probably not going to want to read books that are for five to eight year olds um, or, you know, eight to 12 year olds. <laughs> we're going to do it for you. And um, just because we're dying, it's canon, it's real stories and we're going to do it. So you're all welcome for my obsessive compulsive tendencies that I have because <laughs> I will read all of these because, because you have to. Even if I didn't host a podcast, I would still read them. So but it almost seems integral to read each one because yeah. of what we're seeing here with the connective tissue. It's like everything Absolutely. is interconnected here. It seems yeah. like yeah. they brought up the whiteboards. They found ways to connect all the pieces as well. Yeah. And this is unprecedented times in the Star Wars galaxy. Gosh, I'm going to punch myself in the face for saying that. But they um, they we're getting Lucasfilm creating an entirely new era. So, I mean, that makes, there's going to be clues in, in all of these books, yeah. no matter the age group, as far as what's going on there. And even if it's like one little nugget in test of courage, um, there's going to be, uh, something good there. So, um, 
Yeah, and also just like allowing the authors to be creative and run with things and not worry about bumping up against um, canon, right? Or bumping up against the TV series or things like this. So I'm, I, that's why I'm super excited. Is I feel like this is this is going to be the closest we get to the old EU. I think. Yeah. 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 I'm exactly. Also hoping they release a uh, tabletop book uh, game. With oh this. yeah, I would love to. Oh, uh, we will. I will call now. If they do that, we will we will do that as a <laughs> we will we will run a campaign. Yeah, we'll run a campaign if they do that. that I would love to play in this era, uh, mainly because just reading this these first few chapters from Charles Sewell from The Light of the Jedi, it's so interesting to see the politics and not second guess the politicians. Like, are you corrupt? Are you working for the Empire? Are you working for Palpatine? It, it was nice to actually see the inner workings and the politics and not you know, you know, think that think that you're dealing with these crooked, corrupt, you know, bureaucrats. It was it was yeah. cool to see a new angle of, and then having the threat come from elsewhere and and crime and and government and the issue, problems of governance and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it, it's a cool era. So one other thing I want to talk about is we're looking at this infographic, and this infographic is amazing because we've been talking to you about like whether they're a padawan, a knight, a master, a council master, and so on. But they also give us every single character's lightsaber color. Yeah. That we know, right? Which are most of them. And so we get our green and blues. We get some yellows. But there are some interesting colors on here. I don't know if you've all noticed some of the other colors on here. All right. So definitely did and looked at this. One, yeah. I will point out that I saw there's a lot that are gray. Yeah. I think that means unknown. Okay. Unknown. I had that question because I was like, I, that's the same thing because I've never seen a gray. So that's that makes sense. Yeah, because so of that, Vitar, I was like, oh, Vitar is going to have this gray lightsaber. But then I looked around and a, a lot of the council members have it. All the like unknown visual characters and in into the dark. Yeah, they, they're going to reveal. There's a lot. There's a lot. So uh, I don't think gray is a color. No, uh, I had the same thing. down all y'all gray Jedi people. But we got some we got some purples and we got some orange lights. We got an orange lightsaber in here. Oh yeah, Stala Maru. Stala Maru, which is like that's a new that's that's a new one, right? Like we have yeah. not seen that in in much of anything that I can think of. Yeah, I mean Vanestra Rose purple lightsaber, that's going to be really cool. Um Indira Stokes yellow lightsaber, um we might get some sort of background on why Ray chose uh yellow for her um yeah. ultimate lightsaber there, so that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I just hope we get some more canonization of lightsaber colors. There was a while where it was like green was like sort of the attack force and blue was like a defense force right. and like yellow was just for uh, sentinels that guarded temples. And like, you know, there was some coordination there, but it seems like most of the canon just said, yeah. The color sort of came out of your, you know, soul and connection to the force, and it just is what it is. So, yeah. So I want to deep dive in the orange lightsabers for a second. <laughs> so the so only time we've good. ever seen them is in Jedi Fallen Order, because yeah. I did have an orange lightsaber because I'm like, ooh, a different lightsaber color. Right. Does anyone know? This is like we're going back to art school, middle school art. What two colors do you combine to get to orange? Yellow and red. Yes interesting right and i right? think historically it's been like a fringy dark side color 
Because you have red. You have like the sentinel color, which is yellow, right? So you have sentinel plus red. So these people like dabble in dark sidey things or they slightly like I don't I'm go gray so Jedi less... on me, Adam. Don't no, 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 no. I'm more like, do they well, my thought is like, do they study the dark side to understand it? Not that they are they practice it, but does that like there you go. them a little bit? <laughs> Didn't Plo Koon have a uh, orange lightsaber? Everything I saw, I maybe green old. No, blue. He's blue. Um, there's a way to find out, I'm sure, somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they do sort of bring some of that about. Um, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I am full evangelist now that it's like you either choose to be good or you choose to be bad. You can't sort of be bad some of the time and good some of the time. There are pathways that you go down and it's a series of decisions you make and you're that, you know. So it's like, yes, I mean, Dooku... I don't know. I don't know. But you could study the dark side. That's my thought is that they're, they're good. But you st- by studying something, by reading in something, it's like by by looking at it, you let a little of that in. Right. Like to understand the dark side. Ben, I just noticed the beer you're, you're drinking. And I'm very jealous. But by uh, by st- by studying something, does it infect you a little bit? Right. And. Well, this is this makes me think of Dooku. Um, yeah, because he had sort of like this defect where he could just I don't know if he would throw a tantrum or what it would be or if it was because of his. I think it, he was touched by the like dark side dragon under his temple yeah. um, that made him do it. But he had sort of like involuntary uh, force lightning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grant comment. Just the, the the action with the dragon underneath the temple sounded a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't bad. You're right. So he wasn't bad touched, uh, but he was like he made a force connection with okay, the dragon right. at some point, which yeah. awakened the dragon. Another Game of Thrones term. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm sort of trying to recall. It was kind of vague how he yeah he ended it was up, uh, awakening this dragon and whatever. Um, so sorry for my uh, maybe. <laughs> entendre lexicon we'll just say um but uh anyway so he had like this involuntary like uh force lightning when he was a jedi and it was sort of his dirty secret but um i don't think you can use force lightning and be a good jedi no i, I agree like, aren't, aren't all the jedi dabbling with the dark side by learning to be swordsmen in the first place isn't that isn't right isn't like aggression because... isn't that essentially you're going down the dark path that's the question if it's used for defense only and you're studying offensive techniques are you already selling yourself the perfect well, Jedi would just walk around with a ray shield emitter and just turn it on and start to try to be diplomatic. Yeah. I mean, That's... excellent point. Excellent point. I mean, I think there are real forces of oppression out there and there are the oppressed that need to be defended. Right. And sometimes you need to use force to do that. It, I mean, I see what you're saying, but like in pretty much every circumstance that we've all seen in history yeah. that's been the case and you know you can't just after, after a certain point of being oppressed and alienated you can't just lie down anymore you know um yeah you can't uh, just you can't just be inactive right you can't just be a person of inaction 
yeah you have to right. eventually intervene yeah then but i mean there you're can morally be wrong at, at, at some place in moral philosophy the inaction is wrong it's just as bad as committing a crime yeah. per se right um right. and i'm thinking about malcolm x and i'm thinking about dr king and i'm thinking about muhammad gandhi and i'm just like yes but you know it's it's it that's you raise a very good philosophical question there but i mean allegedly we're going back to really samurai shintoism and it's sort of like we you know the peace and the order need to be defended yeah um and i where the aggression goes but i mean you could say it on the force level as well and then i'm sorry i'll let you talk um you're yeah. fine keep going keep going he is the uh just by the nature of wielding the force which is not a thing that should be wielded right it's uh, the force is just the flow that happens. Like just the fact that you're using it for your own ends is sort of a bit dark sidey, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is what, what uh, Luke Skywalker ultimately discovers a sort of, yeah. and that's why I think in return, that's why I think, you know, Luke Skywalker is struggling in return of the Jedi with the light and the dark. And, uh, and I think that's the job of a Jedi every day and every minute, every second yeah. they have to choose. Right. That's right. I think George has even said that in interviews where, you know, you're, it's not good or bad. It's just, you always have a choice. Like, yes. or, or, you know, you always have a choice to do the right thing. Right. It's yeah. always there. And no one chooses, I believe, no one chooses to do the right thing every time. And no one chooses to do the wrong thing every time. This is not a there are good people on both sides argument because that is a false dichotomy. Yeah. But the my my thought is always that there are people who are inherently good and there are people who are, or, there are people who are inherently good. False. That that's the end of my statement. But but that people, you know, make mistakes and people can be good and bad. This is not a gray Jedi thing. I think you do get clearly like there are Sith, there are Jedi, but it doesn't mean all Jedi are, are all as pure as the other one. So the other thought I had, Ben, that might be interesting in terms of this moving away of what if Astala Maru is not that that they are tainted by the dark side, as I suggested, but what if they found because you make a Sith, you make a Sith lightsaber, a red lightsaber making a crystal bleed. What yep. if that character repaired a Sith crystal? Interesting. That's and a very cool idea. And so instead of it bleeding, it cured it, but then it's still got a bit of that red in it, and that's why I got to orange, right? That that character is a sentinel, right? Who tried to repair a Sith Jedi, a Sith lightsaber that they found. Mm. A Sith crystal. Yeah. I'm trying to think of precedent for that. First of all, that that's fascinating. Um, I... And I don't think there's precedent. I want to say that Ahsoka turned him white. Something right? happened. Well, she repaired her old crystals, but when she did, they turned white. But I think they were like green and off green. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's when they turned white. Um, but she was post Jedi at that point. Right. Um, and that's sort of, I mean, I think that was more elucidating her transcendence, transcendence, her apotheosis, yeah. her resistance to dogma, you know, uh, which is fascinating. Sure. But and I'm trying to think Vader, Vader corrupted a bunch of crystals to make them red. I don't think we have any precedent of healing a red lightsaber. If any of our listeners know this, Hala. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't think expanded universe or otherwise. Ever discuss that. Like, what happens when if you got a Sith crystal? Yeah, yeah. Can you cure it? Fix it? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is orange looks awesome. Yeah. And, um, it'll be that'll be pretty cool to learn more about Estella Maru. It's not an accident, right? Like, you have to tell that story. You can't just give us a Jedi with an orange lightsaber and not explain that, Kevin Scott. On yeah. Wikipedia, it says Estala Maru was a uh, Kasurian male yeah. Jedi master. Yeah, that's all we know. That's all we know. So he's a master. So yeah, you don't. I mean, I guess Qui Gon Jinn was a master too. Um, and he sort of dabbled in various dogmas and you know contrary beliefs and yeah, studied things. I'm, I'm very interested to see what the where the Jedi council is morally at this point. I mean, this is supposedly yeah. a high watermark, but, um, you know, adore Yoda, but towards the end there, he made a lot of mistakes and yep. the Jedi council made a lot of yeah, mistakes. Slipping straight slipping yeah. at the end. Yeah. There. And, and you know, everything was clouded in a shadow of the dark side at that point. So I think they yeah. weren't making good decisions because of that. Well, there's also going to be different, uh hilt designs we've talked about that mm-hmm. earlier who's that blonde padawan over your left shoulder uh grant oh wait no it's the it's the african-american we might I just have her here oh that might be bell zatafar right there with the uh double double-sided lightsaber the purple hair well she or doesn't eve trennis well, that's interesting because they have a purple lightsaber, right? And I don't see that. That's his right shoulder. I was talking left, the green double side. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I also really adore the the uh, cross guard on whoever's right behind you. Is that Avar Chris or no? That might be Elzen or Stellan or one of them. Um, anyways, it, really excited to geek out on some classic, yeah, neo classic. Uh, yeah. I love the robes. Like I, the yep. costume design in this era yeah. is really so. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It so clearly separates it into a different time period, but is so yeah. exactly what we expect Jedi to look like in the highest moment of the of the peak of their existence. Yeah, gold trim. Yeah, Grant, is that Avar Chris on the far on your far right corner up there with the like hood and the like weird neck? Guard guards, I think that Almost is like a pauldron. Wow, she's uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This is, uh, I think, earlier, early art. I think this is, yeah. um, like I think some film, film noto, yeah, mission art. yeah, okay. So I don't know, okay, I don't well, know if it's the actual characters or just early concepts of characters, right? Okay, so we're geeking out here. Um, I hope y'all have pulled up this infographic. Um, and we'll look at it. Um, hopefully, at the beginning of this conversation, you pulled it up and looked at it. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you're not listening to this now. But yeah. like, oh, I should I should have pulled it up 45 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, but Ben, you did a good job of listing exactly where to find it earlier. So hopefully, they all did. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see it um, there. Any other tidbits you guys want to round up on um, this Phase One Jedi of the High Republic Gambit? Uh, I hate to be a downer, but I think I hope some tragedy strikes early on just so some stakes are established and uh, we're not just, you know, having lots of Jedi just run around without any kind of heavy emotions happening. You're not a downer. That's what we look for in Star Wars, right? You you start with a tragedy. I mean, 
the first movie blew up a planet in like 45 minutes into a movie. Like, <laughs> so like, right. that's what we want. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Oh, gosh, I'm getting so stoked on this. All Me right. Too. I'm very excited. Yeah, I think I think I'm out on anything else left to bring in. Um, yeah, looking forward to design and architecture and character development and the whole nine. It's going to be awesome. So again, uh, next week, we're going to do Empire Strikes Back um, from a certain point of view in its entirety, um, just sort of bang through some highlights um, and all those stories. So if you haven't read it by now, you've got no excuse and neither do we. Um, so let's, uh, let's read it and, and go through that. Cause it's going to be fantastic. And I'm sure we'll refer back to it a bajillion times in the future. Okay. And then the week after that, in two weeks, uh, we'll be right in on the high Republic. So, um, go get these publications when they come yeah. out on the fifth, right. um, go to your comic book store or, you know, get remote drop off. However, you can safely do it. Um, remote pickup or whatever, you know, what I'm trying curbside. To yeah. Curbside, yeah. You, you know, know what you're doing. But patronize your local comic book stores yes. as you can, um, because we got to keep the keep the nerd power. Flowing. I, I, I do have a feeling these comics are going to go fast, too. So you might want to. You know, yeah. Call them. 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 Make sure you put person. an order in. Yeah. yeah. Get an order in because these, these yeah. the covers are going fast. Variant covers. You know, anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Issue ones, too. People are going to this is going to take off. We're going to get features out of this, you know, yeah. like at some point. They're going to have their own. I mean, we already know we get the Acolyte. It's going to be a spinoff live action um, that's going to be tangentially uh, associated with High Republic. I just want to build off the local comic book shop. If, if you I'm guessing a lot of our listeners do partake and I don't know how many are digitally. And if you're digital, that's fine. But, you know, you have a comic book shop near you because we all do. And if you call them, they will happily pull a subscription for you and you can just go in and get it. And most places, at least my places, if you you know, order three or four series, they give you a discount. So I just told my guy four years ago, I moved here. I'm like, anything that's Star Wars, just put it aside for me. And I go in there and he does. And it's it's a great interaction I have every week. It's been I mean, last year, it's been interaction by phone and then him throwing it into my car. But like but it's great. Like just you should you should do it. It's you're going to spend less money than you do getting it digitally and you'll have it forever. Really? How much do comics cost in in real life? Because I'm same I'm like, as you'd pay digital, but you usually bucks? get it. Yeah, exactly. But you get a discount if you have for most local comic shops, you get a discount if you pre-order. Okay. You know, not a huge, but 10, 20 percent. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? I've got to do this. This is yeah. great because they're beautiful pieces of art and then nothing really beats holding the thing and reading yeah. it. Um because I always thought, I mean, digitally I'm like, this makes sense. I can zoom in and I'll have it forever and it's in one place and so I've been doing that, and I've only, well, only started collecting comic ben. books since I've started this pod. But uh, here's yeah. a side note: now I feel like I'm like, "Hey, Marvel, do you want to hire me?" Because or, or like pay for advertisement. If you buy your comic physically, you also get a download code through Marvel, so you own it no digitally way. as well through Marvel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just like vinyl, then. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, I got to find my local comic book store then. Yeah. And, uh, let's stop messing around here um, and do this right. Um, all right. Awesome. Um, great week, everyone. Thanks very much for listening uh, to this uh, robust um, preview of the High Republic. We're excited about it. Hope you all are too. Um, and there's going to be more news next week um, and every week thereafter. And mm -hmm. uh, let's, uh, let's enjoy this new era that is upon us um, in Star Wars. So, 
Thank you so much for listening to us. And as always, may the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the force will be with you always. Yeah.